as we prepare to open up God's word, before we do that, would you turn to the people around you and say good morning? All right, you may be seated. I told, the, I told you last week, and I, I, I told the, last, the second service as well, I said, I am totally judging which service is more friendly by how long they take to greet one another. And last Sunday, you guys won. So congratulations, 8 o'clock one, 9.30, 0. We'll see how it continues as it goes. But it's such a, a, a great gift that we get to serve one another by greeting one another in that way. If you would, um, would you open up your Bibles with me? And if if you didn't bring a Bible, take the one out in front of you. If you're joining us at home, take out the one that you have somewhere. Statistically, I know that there is a very good chance you have one at home. So take it out. Open up to our reading. It's going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. Um, that's kind of toward the latter half of your Bible there um, in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to read the first six verses. Ephesians chapter 4 beginning at verse 1. As a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open the doors and see all of the people. The church isn't an address. It's not made of stone. It's a family of faith that calls Christ its home. An eternal bond forged by his blood. In the Bible it says we're united as one. Some are the hands and some are the feet. All working together for needs we can meet. One in our purpose, one in our mission. The body of Christ plagued with tunnel vision. To tell of his glory and the death that he died to share the one truth of Christ crucified. So here is the church, but there ain't no steeple because the church is the body and the body is people. Well, it's a different part of Paul's writing, but the message is the same. Today, we are celebrating the privilege and the responsibility and the call that it is to be a part of the church, the body of Christ, the outpost of heaven on earth, the people in the place where we learn to love our neighbor by together loving God and loving one another, gospel community. And as we look at next week finishing our series on conflict, I think it's fitting that we look at the context by which and through which Jesus himself gives us to practice all of the things that we've been learning. Being invited into the church 
is a gift. It reminds me of, of, of a gift I received. Have you ever received a gift, something so valuable that you could never have, have purchased it, something maybe that was, was given to you that had some significance that's personal? Uh, maybe it's a piece of jewelry. Maybe it's a, a piece of furniture that's been passed down by generation. Uh, a number of years ago now, I shared, some of you, if you've been around for a while, you might remember this. Um, when I think of a gift like that, I think of this piece of fine china, this set that my wife Alyssa and I were given. Um, does anybody here remember this? I've used this before. Okay, just two of you. Okay. Um, so I'll, I'll remind you, or if you're new, um, when Alyssa and I got married, her grandmother gave us this beautiful set of china. This was, I think we're the third generation now in her family to, to, to use these. Uh, her great aunt had originally purchased them in Germany and um, brought them back to the United States, and then they were handed off to her grandmother, and now they've been handed off to us. And it's an incredible gift because um, we look at it, we go, you couldn't pay for this, right? Um, it's, it's precious because not just it's, it's valuable, but it's valuable in that it has been used generation after generation to share memories. Um, we keep it in a safe place, this entire set, because you might be able to find the same pattern if you needed to replace a piece or two but they wouldn't be the same dishes that were used with our family. We hand wash those dishes very carefully. We've learned that while they're strong, they're bone china, they're also very fragile, right? I can go to town on a piece of steak with it, right? And I won't hurt it with a steak knife, but if I use water that's too hot, I will cause problems to the edge, which is, I believe, um, some kind of a, a fine metal. Um, if I drop it, of course, it will shatter. Now, here's the thing. The church, the real church, is a gift, just like these things. And what we're welcomed into is to be a part of that gift, to be that gift itself, to be together, to become one. And to be part of the church is something that we also didn't earn. It goes far further back than ourselves. It is a tradition we have been handed. And like fine china, it is precious and it is strong. And yet it is also very fragile. And it needs to be handled with care. I'm thinking about these things today because today is Baptism Sunday. At our next service outside, um, we are going to be celebrating baptisms, immersion baptisms. I know some of you were surprised when we were talking about that before the service. We're going to get into the water. We're going to go under the water and come out just the way that Jesus did. But I look at this whole last year, we've celebrated so many baptisms here at St. John's. It's incredible. By my count, by the end of this month, we will have celebrated 19 baptisms, three reaffirmations of baptism, and one child dedication. That's just in the year 2022, and the year is not over yet. Can we just stop and praise God? It's just an incredible gift that that is. Why is this so significant? Well, because what we're going to learn in our reading today is that it's through the waters of baptism that we see and that we experience 
and that we are invited into what God has done for us through Christ to welcome us into the family of God. Baptism is a means of grace, and it's by God's grace that we're saved through faith. And the outpost of the faith family that we're invited into here and now is called the church. And that brings us to our reading today uh, from the Apostle Paul. It's a letter of encouragement and instruction to the first generation church in Ephesus. And the first 14 verses, if you have your Bible open and you look at chapter 1, are amazing. You should read all of them, maybe even daily. He summarizes in what looks like literary fireworks what Jesus has done for us and what we have in him. That in Christ, we are holy. We are blameless. We are adopted as sons and daughters of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We are redeemed. We are forgiven. We are lavished with grace. Mysteries are made known. Unity comes in all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. We are chosen. We have hope. We are marked with a seal. We are God's own possession. Those are just the first few verses of Ephesians chapter 1. And the Apostle Paul is writing these things as a reminder to a church that is living out those promises. They know these things are true, and because they are living them, he writes this, verse 15 of chapter 1. He says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Paul who is arguably the most influential person apart from Jesus in the first century church, has without ceasing thanked God in his prayers for this specific church in Ephesus. And the reasons that he's thanking God have nothing to do with the things that so often we look for as qualities in the church. It has nothing to do with the building, as that video that we began with shows. It has nothing to do with whether the coffee was hot enough, or the air conditioning was cold enough, or what kind of music is sung in the services, or what kind of programming is offered, or how much hair the pastor has. I'm the only one that probably notices that, because I'm a little self-conscious. Not that any of those things are bad, but when you know that you are gathered in a community that is marked by the fact that you are loved and redeemed and forgiven and sealed in Christ, the way that that looks is, look again, verse 15. This is what Paul thanks God for in the church in Ephesus. For this reason, ever since I've heard about, say it with me, your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving my thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Those are the marks of the church. It's faith. And not just any faith, but faith in Jesus. And love, not just any love, but love that pours out of the community and into all of God's people. And it's those two things that have created such unity in this community of people in Ephesus that Paul is thanking God for them each and every day. And for the rest of the letter, he expounds on this and he encourages them in the tangible ways that they're called to live, to maintain the togetherness that they've been called to as brothers and sisters in Christ. 
And that brings us to our reading today in Ephesians chapter 4. Let's read the first three verses again. As a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Paul says to be completely humble and gentle and patient. He says to bear with one another in love, to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And the reason why is because we need to protect this precious community that we have been given by God himself. It is strong... It has been handed down to us by generations, and yet because it is built upon relationships, it is also fragile and needs to be handled with care. For example, we've all experienced the destruction that comes from gossip, right? We're going to talk about this in the book of James when we get into our next sermon series this fall. He says this is Jesus' own brother in James chapter 3. He says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire. It is itself set on fire by hell. This is why we don't gossip. Gossip is bad, and it's not just because God said so, but it's because James knows that it destroys community. James, we learned last week, is the leader of the church in Jerusalem. I can only imagine that he has experience, firsthand experience in what this can do. This is why Jesus gave us Matthew 18. We're going to end our series with that passage next week. And, and it's where he tells us that when there is conflict, we are to go to the person that we are in conflict with one-on-one -on -one directly. You don't go and just talk about it with your friends. You don't stir the pot in the community. You go to them for the purpose of reconciliation, not to be right, but to be brought back together, to protect relationships, to protect community. And none of this is easy. It's going to take a lifetime of making mistakes, and that's okay. God has given us his presence to help us along the way, but we do it. And we do it because this church is not just something that we become a part of, but that we are the church, and being the church is a gift. It was paid for by the blood of Jesus when he died on the cross, and we protect it, and we defend it, and we do everything that we can to keep the unity within it. Not just because you respect and protect a gift, but also because we want it to be there when we are going to need it. And we want to be there when God is going to use us to care for the needs of others. I remember when Alyssa's grandmother, she gave us these dishes. She told us, she said, Tom and Alyssa, you need to use these. These are meant to be used. 
Um, don't you hate it whenever you receive a gift that somebody, I, I've got young kids, right? And so, you know, if you give them a gift on Christmas and you say, okay, but you can't play with it, right? Or it didn't come with batteries, right? Right? It's like the worst thing. Like, here's this precious gift, but don't touch it. And she knew that. And so she said, these things are meant to be used. When you have parties, you should take them out. When the kids go to bed and you and, and, and you're, you guys have just a little date night and you make some pizza. That's okay. Put it on the fine china. Use these things. And so we do. We do use these things. And yet, I'll be honest, there's also been seasons throughout our marriage that we haven't used these things. As a matter of fact, as I was thinking about this illustration, I had to pull that out of a box that was under another box because it's been a while. And yet, I knew it was there. And I knew that it would be there. And we know that the church is there. I think about all the reasons that so many of us have had. We were just talking uh, before the service here about the changes in attendance over the last several years and about how it's summer and sometimes people are busy, but you don't really know, right? Because some people are online worshiping and we've got people who are new who've come to the church. We're baptizing somebody at the next service who has begun worshiping with us online. Him and his mom during COVID began to worship online and then he went to college and now he's coming into the waters of baptism to be invited into the family of God. Whether you're new or whether you've gone away and you're coming back, this is here. We are here. You are part of the family. And I was reminded of that earlier this summer by my good friend who's sitting right here in front of me, Evan Chrisman. Um, Evan was, I, I did check with your mom, uh, he was baptized in his home in Michigan uh, when he was a baby, and then shortly after his family moved to Elkhorn, they became members of St. John's Lutheran Church. Evan went to Sunday school here. He was confirmed here at St. John's. He graduated high school in Elkhorn. If you know Evan at all, you know that he is the number one ever greatest of all time um, Elkhorn sports fan, right? Um, he received the award Elkhorn Spirit King before he graduated. Now he attends UW-Whitewater. And in addition to his studies, he volunteers at the TV station up there. Uh, he announces Warhawk games. He does play-by-play -play, uh, announcing and color commentating. Not being a huge sports guy, I had to ask him what color commentating meant, but he could explain it very well. And even though he's been away at college over this past year, he knows that he has this gift of faith, and, and college life can be really crazy, right? It can be really busy, and you're kind of trying to figure out your priorities and, and, and all sorts of different things in life. And because he has this precious gift of faith, he reached out to me earlier this summer and asked if, if I would reaffirm his baptism in the lake. And I said, yes, but only if you'll meet me at Culver's first, because I wanted to hear how God was working in his life and what God has done to draw him back into those waters. And so I think, I think it was french fries and cheese curds. I think that's what we ate. And Evan shared with me the story of how God has been working in his life. And when he was done, I said, hey, would you be willing to come to church before you're baptized? And would you be willing to share that same story with those of us who are gathered here? Because I don't think that your experience is unique. I think a lot of us have experienced similar things. 
and he graciously said that he would. And so without anything more from me, uh, would you give a very warm welcome to Evan Chrisman as he comes up. Good morning, guys. Uh, as Pastor Tom said, my name is Evan Chrisman. Uh, some of you know me, some of you, some of you may not, so hello, nice to meet you all. Uh, I am going to be an incoming sophomore at the University, at the University of Wisconsin at Whitewater. Uh, I'm going to move in the uh, 30th of August, so not that far away. Um, so I was an avid churchgoer before I went to college. Uh, like Pastor Tom said, with my family I attended multiple services. Uh, I went to all my youth group meetings, etc. I went on mission trips. Uh, with my youth group, and I thought that was all going to, I thought that was all going to continue in college. Unfortunately, it did not. The workload throughout my freshman year got considerably got longer and tougher, from writing five to seven uh, page papers. You guys know how that is in college, um, to predicting if the Walks were going to win their game. Most of the time, they did, thanks to me. <laughs> uh, I never stopped believing in God during my time at college. Um, I would pray before the start of any Warhawk games, uh, pray, before any of my, pray before any of my TV things, etc. Those things make me, or tend to make me nervous, so I would pray to God like, hey, uh, don't make me screw up, uh, just make me get through this because I don't want to um, be a screw up in front of all the live people watching. So once the workload started getting bigger, uh, I had thoughts of suicide. And then it all culminated one night uh, when I tried running my car off the road. And um, from that moment on, um, or in that moment, I felt God take the wheel and I knew that I had a bunch to live for, um, considering that I want to be a sports announcer when I grow up. Um, so once my freshman year was officially over, the stress on me went away. And there was one key thing that made my stress go away. Uh, I want to see a raise of hands. Uh, who knows the band King, King and Country by chance? Okay. Um, if, if you haven't heard of them, go give them a listen. They're really good. Um, so King and Country uh, brought me out of the uh, so-called slump that I was in. Uh, when I listened to my favorite song by them, God Only Knows. So I picked out a couple lyrics that stood out to me in that song that I love and that are so powerful. So my first lyric is, every day you try and pick up all the pieces. So to me, this lyric meant a lot because basically this explains my freshman year and trying to get it in the right order. Um, before I said, um, I never stopped believing in God, and that's who I wanted first in my life, and then um, to get homework done, and then to uh, do my sporting uh, events for TV, and then this and that. So I'm just trying to piece all the pieces together in the right order just to get that all situated. My second lyric is, God only knows what you've been through, God only knows what they say about you, and God only knows how it's killing you. Nobody else knew what I was going through but God, I was a very shy person at, st at the start of my freshman year, so I didn't tell anyone um, about like most of my thoughts and feelings, but I knew God was there to always help me and uh, help me through 
uh, my tough times during my freshman year. My final lyric that I would say is the most powerful to me is we could start over. Personally for me, I want to start over and reaffirm my life with Christ. Because after all, God only knows. Thank you. Evan, thank you. I love, I love your prayer. God, I don't want to screw up. And I mean that sincerely because I think if we're all honest, I want you to show your hands how many of you have prayed a variation of that prayer in the past as well. And Evan, I want you to look back and see everybody's hand is up. Sometimes it's in front of other people. Sometimes it's in front of God. That is our prayer. And God might be the only one who knows. However, out of his divine and perfect knowledge of every single one of our situations, he has made sure that on this side of eternity, we will never be alone. God was with Evan in the car that night. I praise God for that. God is with you in the darkest of days and the brightest of days. God is with us in every moment on this side of eternity. He is with us when we reach out to others. If we need professional help, that's important. We would reach out to others, especially if we're having thoughts of suicide. But he's also there to be with us in the midst of the family that he's given us, and that is the church. See, when Jesus came and he left, he said, I'm going to send an advocate that's going to be his presence, that's going to live in us and with us and around us, but that presence doesn't just manifest itself inside of us individually, it manifests itself within the church. This is the church that Paul talks about in Ephesians 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who is over all and through all and in all. This one Lord died and he rose again so that we could receive this one free gift of faith, this one faith to be cleansed by God's grace through our one baptism, all gifts from a one God and Father who is Lord over everything. And the reason why God gives this to us is because we're going to need it. It's why he gives us the church. A number of years ago, I read a book about the gospel. And it quoted in this book um, the author, uh, George Martin. You maybe have read some of his books. Um, he said this. He wrote this once. He said, when, when the snows fall and when the white winds blow, the lone wolf dies, but the pack survives. And he goes on to explain that in the frozen tundra of a place like Alaska, it can be a brutal place for a wolf. During the summer months, a lone wolf can survive because it can go and, and, and feed on small animals for prey, animals that one wolf is clearly able to overcome. But in the winter, all of those smaller animals end up going into hibernation, and the only thing left are the large animals like the caribou. And no single lone wolf can ever take down a full-size caribou. Only a pack can take down a caribou, and a pack can take it down in an instant. This author is talking about the gospel. 
And what he suggests is that in a similar way, we all have seasons. We all have seasons in life. Some seasons are like the summer where we can take care of ourselves, where, where everything we need is within our own reach, where we say to ourselves, I don't need anybody. But for all of us, we know that there are seasons of winter that will come. It comes for all of us at some point. For some of us, for many of us, it happens multiple times. Life is seasonal that way. And yet during the seasons of frozen tundra, we need to be reminded that while we can't survive on our own, we don't have to. God has given us the church. This is what the church is supposed to be. The body of believers, the pack of wolves, the pack of sheep that are protecting one another from the wolves as Jesus is our good shepherd. And the call of God through the Apostle Paul and in so many other places is don't wait until winter. Don't wait until winter because if you're not going through winter right now, there is chances that are good that someone here in this place is going through the winter right now and they need you to be here for them just like you're going to need them to be there for you during your seasons of frozen tundra. And the hope of God is not that life will be easy even together, but that Jesus has paid the price for our eternal salvation, a future where there will be no more winter. And until that day comes, he gives us the warmth of community to keep us warm and to carry us through. And that warmth can be felt and experienced in his church. So don't wait. We have several people today who are going to be going out to the water because they can't wait. And so they're going to enter into the pack through the waters of baptism. If you've never been baptized, we'll fit you in this morning. Don't wait. Come. Come to the lake. We'll baptize you. And if you have been baptized, then be like Martin Luther, that every single day when he would wash his face, when he would wash his hands, whenever he had a chance to come to the water, he would be reminded that in that water, the Holy Spirit and God's word came to remind him that he is not his own. He is God's. And so are you. Would you join me now as we pray? Lord Jesus, we thank and praise you that you have invited us not to be alone that not only are you God and that you are in all places and in all things and that your spirit dwells in us, that we are a living temple for your presence, but that these living temples come together to form the body of Christ, your church. You are the head. We are the body. And as it says in Corinthians and as you describe your church, we are different parts, right? But we are the same body. We are together. You are with us and we are with you. And it is in your presence that we come alongside one another. In the seasons of summer and in the seasons of winter. God, we pray ahead to those who are going to be baptized this morning, later on. And we ask that your Holy Spirit would descend upon that water and your word as it descended upon you, Jesus, when you were baptized as you invite us to come into your family through the same means. God, we thank and praise you that we are not alone, that you are with us. God, I pray that if there is anyone here listening who's feeling alone, that just like you took the wheel for Evan, God, would you take the wheel for us? 
And sometimes that's through your spirit, but sometimes it's through reaching out and asking someone else to be your instrument, to reach into our lives and to remind us that we are not alone. It is in Jesus' name that all God's people said.